morning. Happy Easter. He is alive, isn't he? Yes. Hey, let me, let me follow up on what Pastor Roy said. If you're brand new here, man, thank you. Thanks for being here, truly. Uh, maybe uh, someone invited you. What, whatever reason is, is we're so thankful that you're here. We're so thankful that you're dialing us up online or wherever you're listening. We're so thankful uh, that God brought you in these doors to possibly hear something. So let's get this, let's get this out of the way, okay? All right? We're going to get this out of the way. Um, I want to ask you a question, and many of you are probably even answer, or asking this question yourself. Um, why are you here? Come on, listen, this is, this, is a real, this is a real question. Because some of you, some of you walked in this door, and here's what I know. Re, there's a couple reasons of why you are here this morning, all right? So I just want to kind of put this in front of us and just say, hey, we're all friends here. It's all fine, okay? All right? Couple reasons. Some of you are here this morning because, let's be honest, you didn't have a choice. Your children are sitting next to you, wearing the outfit that you picked up and and uh, and, and wanted them to wear, and uh, and and you know, and and yes, you have to comb your hair today, and yes, we are all getting in the car, and yes. You're going to put a smile on, and you're going to walk in through those doors, and you're going to love it, because that's what we do, okay? And you're here. Some of you this morning are here because um, let's, you were threatened, okay? <laughs> oh, mijo, listen, I need you to be here, okay? All right? I need you to be here. Because if you, and, and, and so those that are here because you have that grandmother or their grandfather or that mom or that dad and they've threatened you, you, you value your life. That's why you're here. Okay? You're here because you value your life. And I appreciate that. Some of you are here because you got the new outfit. Come on. Top of my head, tip, got a haircut, the whole deal, right? Or some of you might be here because you, you heard about the, the real life show. Are you, I wanted to, what are they doing new this year? What new songs, what new elements are they incorporating and all this kind of stuff. And maybe they'll have fireworks, you know, whatever. Here for the show. Some of you are possibly here because you didn't have a good year, you know? Maybe, you, maybe you've kind of walked through a lot and you've, you've got all this guilt built up, at least since Christmas Eve. Right, because that's the last time, you know, okay, all right. So since Christmas Eve, now it's like, man, I've built up a lot of things in my heart and my life, and, and I just want to manage my guilt. So we're guilt managers this morning. So I'm here, I'm managing my guilt. I, I'll feel better if I come this morning, so I walk out feeling better about me, about all the junk that's in my life. I just want to learn to manage that. But then some of you this morning, I think, are genuinely curious you're asking questions. You're going, you know, I've, I've heard about this. I've seen, I've seen the outfits, and I see this huge, you know, uh, these huge displays and all kinds of stuff, and, and, and maybe you even had an invitation from someone else. And, and so out of mere curiosity, you walk through these doors this morning, and you're going, what's this Easter thing all about? Like, what? Like, I know there's, I know that, you know, I've heard the name Jesus, and I've heard all of this kind of stuff, but what is this, what is this really all about? 
And then some of you, I think, I think some of you just don't even know why you're here this morning. If you're being honest with yourself, you're like, I really don't, I don't know why I'm here. Yes, I got an invitation, or maybe I was driving by, and, and maybe I just felt like I, I needed, needed something. See, when I was growing up, I went through those motions, and, and I, was under the, I was under the kind of this, this area of where I was all often forced to. <laughs> I was forced to kind of come, and, and that was part of what we did. But, but you know what I began to, to search for? I began to search for something real, something, something tangible, not just some religious jargon and some religious message. I was looking for something real in my life. And, and you know, whatever brought you through these doors this morning, can I, just, can I just, just for a moment, just tell you that it's not an accident that you're here. Whatever it is, whether you feel like being here, whether you feel like wearing that outfit, whether, whatever brought you through these doors, it is not an accident. Some of you, I think, feel like you already have it all together. And, okay. And the truth is, is if you feel like you have it all together, I've, I've got all my religious ducks in a row and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and hey, I'm good, Joel, I'm good, you're good, you, you, you know, I'm the okay, I'm okay, I'm, you okay? Okay, we're good, okay, 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 you know? We kind of, we kind of bounce this around, and, and you feel like you have that. Then maybe, let's be honest, maybe this message isn't for you this morning. If you feel you got it all together, I don't know how this is going to land in your heart this morning. See, Jesus, he had this interaction with, um, with these disciples, and, and it was, he was having this conversation with one of his disciples named Matthew. And they were, bra- they were having a meal together after Jesus had called Matthew to follow him. And all of these religious leaders and, and these zealots and these Pharisees, as what they were called, kind of come up and they start like, why did Jesus bring this scum? Why is he eating with these, this, this, these dirty, sinful people? And I want to just, I just want to share his response because I think it speaks to where we are right now. This was, this was Jesus' response in Mark chapter 2, verses 17. This is what it says. When Jesus heard the Pharisees say this, this is what Jesus said. He told them, Healthy people, they don't need a doctor. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I, Jesus, I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, think they have it all together, think everything's good, everything's fine. No. I've come but for those who know they're sinners. See, I put myself in that category. Like if, if you don't have it all together, if you recognize maybe brokenness in your heart and in your life this morning, maybe that's the reason why you walked in these doors looking for something because you feel like you're lacking something, uh, then can I just say that I, I think my Savior, my Jesus, has something that he wants to share with you this morning.
And so what I want to do this morning is, is I, I want to start out in, in a prayer. And, and so would you just bow your heads with me real quick? And I want to challenge you. I just want you to consider that God may want to speak to you this morning. And so, so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask that you say this simple prayer with me this morning, just to start, as we begin. You can say it out loud, or you can say it silently in your heart, just by saying these words. Jesus, would you speak to me this morning? Silence every distraction in my life. I want to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I pray more than anything that you would send your spirit to move among us. That the, the loudest voice that is heard is yours. That the most visible face that is seen is yours. God, that you would remove the the blinders from our eyes this morning, that you would open up our ears to hear this morning, God, that we would be willing to receive with a, a soft heart this morning exactly what you want to share with us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for being here in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 15, in verse 46, the story does not start well. The story, the message does not start well. This is what it says in Mark chapter 15, starting in verse 46. It says, Joseph brought a long sheet of linen cloth, and then he took Jesus' body down from the cross. He wrapped it in the cloth, and he laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. So, so Joseph of Arimathea was given the body of Jesus following his death. Make no mistake, Jesus had died on this wooden cross. And so Joseph of Arimathea wrapped his body in this linen and then laid him in this tomb. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. Verse 1. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene, mother, the, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. See, uh, they couldn't do work on the Sabbath, so at sundown, when the Sabbath was, was over, they could go and actually purchase burial spices in order to, uh, to put on the, uh, on the corpse so that it wouldn't smell profusely. Very early on Sunday morning, just as sunrise, or just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? See, the reason why the women, as they were on their way to do this, um, they understood that that the stone that's, uh, that's rolled in front of these tombs, more likely than not, was, was, the, was probably around a ton. It was several thousand pounds. And the way that, that, the, that the stones were put in front is, is they were on this little lip. And when the body was put in and when uh, it was laid to rest, then the stone would kind of drop down into this little U 
and then it would, so it would stay put right where it needs to be in, in the front of the entrance. And so the women are asking this question, who's going to move this stone so we can get in and we can anoint the body with these spices? Verse 4, but as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, hey, don't be alarmed. You're, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, right? Who, who was crucified. Yeah, he isn't here. See, he is risen from the dead. Look. This is where, see right here? This is where his body, this is where they laid his body. Now, now go. Tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. See what the angels making reference to was in Mark chapter 14, verse 28. Before Jesus had passed during the last supper time, he mentioned, he's like, after I rise, I will meet you in Galilee. But that was kind of all lost on the disciples. But the angel is reminding, reminding them of this here. So the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. The story doesn't start well. See, death, when we talk about the death of anyone, it produces a lot of things in our lives. It produces things that maybe um, that, that we don't like, places we don't like to go, which is why sometimes people just, no matter how close they are, sometimes they won't even go to the funeral. They don't like the way it feels. It makes them feel uncomfortable. Now, and, and understand this, I mean, um, when we talk about death in, in human context, we speak about the finality of death. Like, it's just final. It's just, like, it, like it's, the, it's the end. I remember um, that realization came to me when I went to my great uncle's funeral. So it was the first time I'd ever seen a dead body, first time I'd ever been to a funeral, first time I'd ever kind of experienced that. So my twin brother and I, we were around second grade or so, and we walked up, and, and, um, and so my twin brother and I, and it's probably not a good idea that the fact that we went up there by ourselves, um, and... Um, so we're looking at this, that this uh, our great uncle Al in front of us, and you know, and then my twin brother and I do what second grade boys do, and like you touch it, no, you touch it, no, you touch it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And so, so all of a sudden, my twin brother he reaches out and he touches it. It's cold. It's like, oh, you touched it. Yeah, I touched it. And he goes, I dare you to do something else. Sure. So, buried with my great uncle is one of my, uh, my pick boogers on his arm. It wasn't a bright, shining moment for me. Okay? Not going to lie. My, my parents um, were furious. And I heard it not only when I got back to the seats where my parents were, but I, I heard it on my backside when I got home, too. So 
So yeah, it was, uh, it was a moment, and I remembered it. But here's, the rea- here's, here's, what, here's what I came to. On that particular day, I remember thinking this very clearly. I'm never going to see Uncle Al again. Like, we're, we're not going to see each other at Christmas. I'm not going to visit him at his home. Like, it was just final. It was done. And, and as you look at verse 46 and 47, and you see how Joseph kind of wrapped his body in the and kind of the women saw where he was laid, and, and then Mary Magdalene and them were just, they were planning on this burial. I mean, this moment produce, death produces these feelings of, of really three things, really. It produces this, uh, this idea, these thoughts, these feelings of, of defeat, and that's what these disciples were feeling. They were feeling the defeat. They're, they're, they're like, wait a second, it wasn't supposed to be like this, right? It wasn't supposed to be like this. It's, it's, uh, now what? What do we do now? Like this, this, this brevity of life, life is so short, begins to seep in, and, and the disciples, uh, make no mistake, they are in despair. And despair brings, brings out feelings of fear, and, and, and understand they were in trouble. They felt like the, the Jewish leaders were now going to come after them. They got their leader, and now they're going to come after the disciples. The disciples were not thinking about anything beyond this moment except their own well-being. They thought the story was over. They thought that, that, that nothing, I mean, he's gone. He's not coming back. There's confusion among them. Maybe feelings of desertion. Feeling desert. Jesus, you, you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. What's up with that? You, uh, uh, you, you said that, that I wouldn't be by myself anymore. You're offering me all this hope. Hey, thanks for nothing. See, you know, it's interesting. Some of us this morning sense and feel these in our own personal life. You feel defeated. You feel despair. You feel like you're deserted. Do you know why? You know where these feel? They are specifically anchored in death. And if you're feeling those constantly, you know what we end up trying to do? See, when I feel lost, when I feel fearful, when I feel despair, I try this avenue of life thinking that that will bring the life in me that I've been looking for. Oh, that one fails me? Okay, let's try this avenue of life so I don't have as much despair, as I, so I don't have as much defeat. If I just have a, this amount of money, if I just have this relationship, if I just, and what we try to do is we try to resurrect our own life and we try to introduce life where there is none and we keep coming back to the same note being struck in our lives, which is despair, loss, and death. You know why? Because you may not know it, but I'll tell you right now, from birth, every single one of us here this morning or online, you are born spiritually dead. You're born spiritually dead. You have no spiritual life whatsoever. So we try to manifest it in our life. We try to introduce things into our life. Oh, maybe this will fix this, or maybe this will fix this. And and all of a sudden, we come to that same place over and over and over. 
Oh, another defeat. Oh, another despair. Oh, I'm all alone again. However, when we begin to fall into this, you know what happens? You know what the tomb produces sometimes? You know what death produces? It produces our willingness to look for answers in places we wouldn't normally look. It begins to open our eyes and open our ears and to be available to, well, maybe there's something else. And we, we, we think that that answer comes from something that we can find within us. And the world teaches that. Hey, find the power within. Find uh, the best version of you inside. But can I just say, the longer that I live, the more I realize how broken I really am. It, it can't be something inside because the some things that I have found inside don't bring me what I'm looking for. They don't bring you what you're looking for. And we come back to that same place over and over. But then, but then as we read, imagine getting a knock on the door. Imagine getting the knock on the door. And some people come to the door and and it mentions, it mentions a couple women. See, the disciples or the women, they were not thinking that there was more to the story in this moment. They forgot everything that Jesus taught, him, taught them why they were alive almost. They were thinking, it's over, we're lost, it's hopeless, they're desperate, they're confused. Why did this happen? What happened? What do we do now? On and on and on and on. But all of a sudden, a knock comes to the door. And imagine if you're one of the disciples and you're sitting behind locked doors. And this knock comes. And you open the door. And all of a sudden, it's these, it's these women. And they're so excited. And they're just, they're jumping. They're, they're, they're listen, listen, we just, we got to tell you about this message. We got to tell you about what just happened to us. We just, we we, when we thought all hope was lost, all of a sudden, hope found us. See, it wasn't the end. There's more. And so they begin to share this story. And we see it beginning in Mark 16. It's as they arrived, they looked up and they saw the stone, which was large. And it had been rolled aside. And when they entered in, it says they, they saw a young man. And he was clothed in this white robe. And, and he says, no, Jesus isn't here. He's risen. He's alive. Now go and tell. But here's what's crazy. And when you begin to look, it, you get more to the story when you, when you look at some of the other gospel accounts. So when you look at Matthew 28, the women ran quickly from the tomb. Okay, so they're, they're running and they're sharing the story with the disciples. So we were running away and we were coming to share with what this angel had shared. And all of a sudden, they were very, very frightened, but they were also filled with great joy and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Verse 9 says this. As they went, Jesus met them. He greeted them. And they ran to him and they grasped his feet and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said, hey, don't, don't be afraid. Hey, you know that spirit of death you have? That desperation you have? I solved that. I heal that. 
I replace that with me. Now go and tell my brothers, leave for Galilee and they will see me. So, so the women are just so excited about sharing this, this testimony. And some of you have maybe heard testimonies like this before. Hey, I once was lost and I was broken and I was addicted to these things. And then, but all of a sudden, I got met by someone. And it tr- just changed me. It was incredible. I want to tell you about it. But then there's also another account of where two disciples there are on the walk to Emmaus and, and it's just after the crucifixion and they're walking and they're talking about all the things that happened when Jesus was on the cross and, and the Jewish hearings and all this kind of stuff. And, and they knock on the door shortly after the women. And so they start telling the disciples, hey, we're walking and, and we're talking and all of a sudden this unknown guy joins us in this journey. And he starts asking us questions and we're like, are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's going on? Like, are are you, you kidding me? So they begin to share with this unknown individual about all that's transpired, all that's happened, and how Jesus climbed up on a cross as the spotless Lamb of God took upon him the sin of the world and died. And died. What do we do now? And so... In Luke 24, verse 25, we see this message. It says, then the two, Emmaus, the two from Emmaus told their story to the disciples. They're just sharing this incredible testimony of how Jesus had appeared to them and as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. So, so just as we are sharing this, we finally invited this unknown guy to come and stay with us and have a meal with us. And so the man agreed. And, and as they were doing it, all of a sudden, he broke bread, they broke the bread, like the Last Supper. And it was like their eyes were open in that moment. And it says, as soon as they saw him, he immediately disappeared. He was gone. And so, so they just, they ran to tell the disciples. They ran and they told the disciples. And so, so all of a sudden, imagine you sitting there and you're getting, you're getting this, this message this testimony about, hey, my life was changed because all of a sudden I met with, this, with Jesus and he's alive and he's real and, and, and I want you to know about it. And then, then two more guys come into your life and they begin to say the same thing over and over and, and, and all of a sudden we broke bread and then all of a sudden my eyes were opened and I finally saw the risen Jesus. And so the disciples in John chapter 20, we get a clear picture of what happened. We see transformation begin to take place it says on in john chapter 20 verse 19 it says that sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the jewish leaders suddenly jesus was standing there among them suddenly peace be with you he said There's more. (laughs) Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Do you know everything changed in that moment for these men? 
Do you realize? I don't have time to go into it, but I want you to know all of the disciples except one who died of old age, which is John, all of them were transformed in that moment. They were forever transformed in that moment. Literally, they they were changed. Every single one of them died believing Jesus Christ as Savior, the risen Lord, including his own brother. Like, I don't know about you, but if my brother came up to me and was like, hey, I'm the son of God, I'd be like, you're sure. But his own brother did. Some were literally boiled in oil. Some were impaled. Some were stabbed to death. Like, they died fully believing in the risen Savior in this moment. And I want to draw our attention to two as we kind of close our time tonight, this morning. Just two. One of the guys' name, many of you know him, maybe all of you. His name was Peter. And you know what was interesting? Here's what was interesting. At the end of Mark chapter 16, verse 7, it says, Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Did you ever want, like, I wondered why, why say, go get the disciples, oh, and let me give you one name from all these disciples that I want to make sure that you talk to. Go get Peter. See, if you remember Peter, his last interaction with Jesus wasn't good. It wasn't good. See, Peter, who was always quick, quick to speak, he always put his foot in his mouth a lot of the time. Well, Jesus um, all of a sudden is having this interaction with him. And in Mark chapter 14, Jesus shares what's going to happen. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, because Peter's like, no, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm, I'm on your side. Uh, every, you know, nothing's going to change this relationship. I'm with you. And then Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you n- even know me. No, no, Peter said. Uh-uh, I won't do that. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. But then we read in Mark 14, somewhere in between the Jewish hearings. Mark 14, Peter swore. This was Peter's response. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't even know this man that you're talking about. See, this was his last interaction with Jesus. I don't know who that guy is. No, no, I'm not not with him. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you don't even know me. And it says he broke down and wept. See, what... I I think what the message that the angel was trying to say in this moment, what he was trying to convey, is even though Peter must have been saying, Jesus, I am not worthy of you. I'm not worthy. And some of you walked in, 
this morning going, Joel, you don't know what I have done. My life is a complete denial to everything Jesus is. But I think that's the reason why the angel said, hey, go, go get the disciples, but get Peter. It was almost God going, listen, get Peter. Peter is not a hopeless cause. He's not worthless. He's not forgotten. He's not, he's not unworthy. He's worthy because he's my child. He's worthy. Go get Peter. Some of you this morning are feeling like I, I'm just, I'm, I'm a broken mess. I'm not worthy of Jesus, the risen Savior. I'm not worthy. This message isn't just for people who have it all together. This message is for you. It's for me. See, Jesus, Jesus called Peter by name. And he's calling you by name right now. Peter. He's calling you. And you're like, I don't feel worthy. That's right. It's okay. It's okay. You are worthy. You know why? Because I made you. You have value. You have worth. I love you. You are never so far gone. There are never too many sins. There has never been a sheep that has wandered away that I cannot save. You've never wandered so far that my love, my grace, and my forgiveness cannot reach you. This is how far our Savior is willing to go. He goes, I, I haven't come for those that think they're righteous this morning. I've come for those who know they're sinners, know that they're broken. Peter knew he was broken that morning. But then there was another guy, another disciple, and his name was Thomas. And Thomas wasn't at that earlier interaction. He wasn't at that interaction. And when the disciples testified that Jesus, we saw the risen Jesus, we saw his whole, we saw everything and, and he's alive. It's not the end, it's just the beginning. Thomas heard this message just like everyone else. And you know what he said? I am never, I'm never gonna believe in Jesus. And some of you this morning, some of you are Peter, but some of you are Thomas. I'm never gonna believe in that. You've created an impenetrable, impenetrable wall that nothing can get through no i'm safe in my wall in my area i don't no i'm a scientist i i think things through you know what i'm saying like I, i'm i'm a realist i i have all these th no i don't, i'm not never going to believe in jesus one of the 12 disciples in john chapter 20 says this thomas was not with them when the others when the others when jesus came verse 25 they told him, we've seen the risen Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands 
and I put my fingers into them and place my hands into the wound in his side. See, but then eight days later, eight days late, eight day late, eight days later, the disciples are still talking. Uh, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked. But then I love that word again. But suddenly, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, Hey, Thomas, come here. Thomas, come here. I love the lost. I love the broken. I love the doubter. I love the hopeless. Come here, Thomas. Put your, put your hands right here. Put your finger right in my, my wounds. Feel my feet, Thomas. Feel my feet. Better yet, hey, Put your hand in my side. Don't be faithless any longer is what he said. Believe. Believe. My Lord, my God, he exclaimed. Why are you here? Do you think you have it all together? Because I don't know about you, but I might be Peter and Thomas at times in my life. I'm not worthy. Jesus, I, I hear it, and it sounds great, but I, I'm not worthy of that. And Jesus goes, oh my goodness, child, you're worthy. You're not so far gone. Do you know what the meaning and the value of me rising from the dead is? It means that death cannot hold me. It means that the grave cannot contain me. It means that I am the son of God. And it was God's stamp of approval that I am king of kings and I am Lord of lords. And if I can raise from the dead, I can raise you to life. I can raise you to life. I can... I can take the dead and I can bring it to life. I can bring the lost and I can make it found. I can bring the blind and I can make it see. I can bring the deaf and I can make them hear. I can bring the broken and I can make them whole. And this is the message of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. He says, I have come so that you might have life so that you can stop trying to animate the dead in your own life, trying to introduce life into yourself. You cannot do it. That's the point. So when Jesus died as the spotless lamb, he says, I'm going to take all of your sin, all of the darkness, all of the brokenness, and I'm going to climb on a tree and I'm going to die so that God's price for that sin is paid. But it wasn't enough that he stayed dead because if he stayed dead, we'd still be dead. But Jesus, three days later on April 5th, 33 AD, the ground shook, the mountains wailed. The king of kings could not be contained in a tomb no matter how big the stone was. Jesus says, I am king. I've come to reign and rule as savior, not just of the world, but of every single one of your individual lives. But it takes this, the Philippian jailer that was talking with Paul in Acts said, well, what can I do? 
What must I do to be saved? And in Acts chapter 16, it says, believe, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This last passage and I'm done. Romans 6 tells us this, and I want you to hear very clearly of what the resurrected Jesus, when we believe that Jesus died for us as our broken, sinful selves, and we believe that he was risen again, conquering sin, conquering death, giving you, ushering you into new life, that the end isn't found here on earth. It actually is found in the presence of an almighty God who loves you and welcomes you. Romans 6 says this, we are no longer slaves to sin and brokenness. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. That's what happened on the cross. And since we died with Christ, we also will live with him. And we're sure of this. You know how? Because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. You want something real this morning? You want something real that you can tangibly hold on to, but more than that, who holds on to you that saves you? It's Jesus. He was a real man, and he is a real God, the only God, and he lived a real life, and he died on a real cross, and he took the full penalty of our real sin, and he was buried in a real tomb, and he was bodily rose from the dead in a real way, and oh, he really loves you.